Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanon, Mr. Robin Zane. We got DV alias Christ is going to be joining us in a few minutes. Let's get him in. What's good, brother? What's up, bro, man? How you feel, kid? I'm high, you know, I'm I'm getting better. Yeah? Better each day, man. God bless you, man. I reached out to your daughter once or twice, man. It's, she like she took a little hard too, man. God bless all y'all, man. Your brothers, y'all the reen. Even LT, man, your whole family, your sons. It was a big loss, man. Yeah. And I personally, it. I felt I, I was a little sad, man, because not only you and then Theo, Theo too. I yeah. was like, what's going on with that, B? That was that was a tough mix, but I know you. I know you guys are strong guys, man. So I know y'all are pushed through, but it's still you still got to deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now nah, it was you know it was very shocking uh, for us because my mom spent Christmas with us. And for those who don't know what really? Robert, uh, talking about is my mom passed over the holidays. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was up. We had you know we had Christmas get together at the house. And you know, it was just it was it was sudden. She ended up passing on the twenty eighth, and I had I spoke to her on the twenty seventh. And my mom had like a little ritual she would do where she would text. She had a group text where she would text myself and my brother. She texts us every right. uh, every morning. Right, right, right. You know, that morning I didn't get I didn't get the text from her. You know, right. I, I didn't really think much of it. Anything was wrong. Yeah, because I was um high quality. I think that morning also I was I wasn't feeling well, so I went to urgent care to get tested, um, high quality to see if I had COVID. And they had gave me an appointment to come back. So I came back and mm -hmm. ended up laying down taking a nap. And her boyfriend actually called me, you know, and I woke up. I woke he called me and I happened to wake up and answer the phone. And right. you know, he, he he he's the one who broke the news to me. So uh, And everything was good on Christmas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. God bless y'all, man. I feel, I, you know, Janelle and I was in here just, just shaking our heads, man, because there, there's just been so much loss in the past couple of years. It's just been remarkable, man. Shout out to Theo, man, as well, because he lost his moms as well. Um, yo, just keep, I always tell people, man, you know, mourning is a tough thing, but what, what helps me get through mourning is always keeping the best, best of thoughts of those individuals when they were here, whether it was a conversation, whether it was just a hug, you know what I'm saying? Some of the smallest things that you, you got to keep with you. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Now nah, you know, it's 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 rough, you know, it's rough. But uh, you know, I'm I'm fortunate. Like my mom had the opportunity to experience. I had well, I had the opportunity to experience with her. What most people would want to experience with their kids, like you know, met all my children, see me graduate. Right college see me buy a house right so she's very proud of you man yeah man i'm trying to trying to find him god is in there i don't see him let Who's me check in there son yeah what we got in the building i see you see me see me chas to fly self gemini energy out there jumping out who else is in there we with Dr. Wade. I put some dope books out there, Doc. Check those out. 
I am majestic. Shout out to you. Yeah, but how you been? I've been good. Like I told you, son, I'm putting on stuff to see my cheeks, right? I'm putting on some weight because the food is good at home, man. <laughs> um, and I can't move around the way I want to. It's been so cold. I can't even shovel the snow outside. It's been so cold up here, man. So my my only means of anything calisthenics are working out is going to walk the dogs. I try to walk them at least twice a day or something like that. Mm. Outside of that, health is great. Health is great, man. I have a um, an appointment next Friday just to check my levels, and you know my 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 appointments are now a month apart now. Before oh, okay. it was like every week, every two weeks. Now they're once a month. You feel good though? Yo, son, I feel. I just need to get rid of the, the, the chubbiness now, son. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. Son, I feel like my old self. I used to be a fat kid when I grew up, man. So. <laughs> now I'm like, am I getting back? Nah, I don't want that. I used to be a slim guy, man. And um, but I feel great, man. I'm I, I'm really waiting for for the weather to break, so I can really put it to the test and um, get some work and I play some ball, that type I, of stuff, man. I told you, man. I keep telling you, yo, that Peloton is a good investment. Yep, and I I it's a good investment. But like I said, a buddy of mine's, well, a friend friend of Nels, has sent us the app for peloton so mm -hmm. you don't technically have to have the bike you can uh, put put it right on your screen attach it to your phone to your to your television and have a workout there and mm -hmm. i've done a couple of stretching workouts but nothing 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 too crazy man you know what i mean yeah i guess it really depends on if you want to um you know like if you want to do the cycling or not i know the app does have like all the different workouts did you get a chance yeah. to listen to Nas's magic album Hold on, did I? I think I did, yeah. I did, I did check it out. Yeah, that was the one he threw in there with Waveguard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, I was, I'm like, yo, this dude, didn't found, he found the fountain of youth all of a sudden. Nah, he found Hit Boy. Hit Boy got that heat. Hit Boy got that heat, and he a young dude, and he want to work. So, you know, for Nas, him being an OG to the young cat, for him, it's probably like, dang, I got the OG wanting to fuck with me. You know what I mean? And... Nas is in his bag. I think he got a, he got uh, King's Disease Three coming out. Yeah, very I was, soon. So I was surprised because originally I was like, I don't want to see him with Hit Boy anymore. Remember I said that, that? Like, man. But that was that was like, oh my God, that's a that was a good project. Hit Boy got some choice, man. I had Hit Boy with Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine. I'm hearing that Hit Boy signature in a lot of different places, man. So he's out there. He's out there pushing it for real. Hit Boy did the new joint with um Kanye and Game too. Did he? See, look at that. See, yeah. he's the new Pharrell right now. Everybody wants a Hit Boy track now. So yeah, he did the new joint with uh with, with Kanye and uh and Game. How's the family, bro? They're all right, you know, going Good. going through it, but uh, for right. the most part, babies is all right. Yeah, well, the grown yeah. babies now nah, they all grown, but they still yeah. the baby. Yeah, but they, you know, of course, they all took it hard, too. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so, like I said, like, we were all here in my house on Christmas, and everything seemed all good, like, laughing, joking, having a good time, so everybody was blindsided by it, you know. That's crazy, man. And was mom, was mom pretty much healthy? I mean, she had... She had her, health, her health has started declining, um, you know, like, over the, over the years, and I think the pandemic didn't help because the inactivity 
you know, like she wasn't trying to go out like that. So when you're not going out, you're not getting that exercise. And then also like the other thing that I always tell people like in retirement, people don't realize, you know, retirement is, is different, is difficult. Retirement requires that you still have to remain active. Like you could take a little bit of time off, but your body for 30 years has gotten used to getting up, going out and being yeah. productive. And early on in my mom's retirement, she was getting up, going out, traveling, shopping, doing, you know, doing yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. But like once, once the pandemic rolled around, she was, she wasn't trying to be out. She was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, she was afraid to be out. She was like, I'm not going out. Yeah. I'm not a lot, a lot of anything and Christmas is a big time for us like every Christmas we usually get together um Christmas of 2020 though was the first time in many years that we didn't have we didn't have Christmas together because of the, the pandemic so this year you know everybody was excited to get together for, um, right. for Christmas wow yeah the pandemic has put a lot of people on pause a lot of people very scared to step out even go to the store you know, a buddy of mine, his mom's is like, yo, I'm not going nowhere. She's uh, she's a, she's elderly too, man. And mm -hmm. she's super paranoid about anybody even being around. She don't even want to see her own kids. Like, nah, send me a text. I'll, I'll text you. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> stay over there. In other words, stay over there. Don't even come see me. Yeah. Like, wow. Nah, so, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people are, you know, afraid. A lot of people are definitely yeah. afraid. I kept my listen. I kept my ass in the house since March of 2020. The only time I go out is if I have an appointment, and I may go to the store. I stay away from all crowds. I keep gloves. Sometimes I even put gloves on when I'm out there. I'm not touching anything, touching no doorknobs, nothing that I can contract anything from a germs perspective. Keeping my hands clean. I, I carry sanitizer with me. I carry wipes with me. I'm like a paranoid mom with an infant. Like, <laughs> make sure I'm good spraying shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you just got to be vigilant, man. And, you know, unfortunately, most people, they just have bad habits, man. And those bad habits turn into a way of life because they've been conditioned. Niggas wiping their nose and shit and coughing all over the fucking place. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's, it's proceeding and, and sticking around because People just don't know personal care as much as they should. Peace. What's good, peace, bro? Peace. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You brothers, pardon me for the uh, slight tardiness. It's all right. That's, that's, good that's good. But so we got trick, triggered a gambler also in the um in the comments. So, well, thank you for agreeing to do this, man. We we appreciate it. It's, it's great to have you on. So for those who don't know, we're talking to DV Elias Christ. That's yes, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Zone. Yo, to us, you were like you were like the East Coast Nate dog. You, I don't know if you realize that or not. Uh, like, yo, yo, the only difference. Now you know why I say, "Oh my God," because nobody ever says to Nate dog that he's the East Coast Christ. Yeah. Wow. The only you know what the only difference is. You get what I'm saying? It's like people make the comparison because of of him doing you know doing hooks for other people and shit like that or whatever, but. You really can't compare us, cause right. I spit. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, that's like I, what I, was, that's I what make I was beats. Like I'm, I, it's just more to me than just doing hooks. It's just that's the wave niggas caught on to, cause they fuck with my voice. So it's like, right? Put a, you know, do a hook, but I'm far from, you know, any version of, of Nate Dog. Like you yep. know, 
that shout to out me, to that brother. That to me, that to me was the difference. The fact that you actually rhymed also, and I didn't even, I didn't realize back then you you were young with that voice, right? Yeah, yeah son. I started. I mean, well, shit. I got. Uh, well, we, you know, speaking about myself and Trigg and all, like we we had got like our first introduction to the game. Uh, through Tommy Mottola and Faith Newman at like 14. Mm. And then that situation didn't go through. And when I signed to Def Jam, I was 17 and a half. Look at that. So. Right. Yo, but your career, you started off at like 14, right? Wasn't you in the industry around 14? I've been in the industry shit. I, I, I want to say since about 12. Because my mom's is, you know, she, she's been in the music and, you know, music business for okay. 44 years, and I'm 44, so, you know what oh, I'm yeah? saying? She's she, she been around th this shit forever, like, so I always been in the studio, you know what right. I'm saying? Like my Uncle Greg Lawrence, like, he worked on shit for Houdini, and, you know, like, mad. so I, I, I would see these, you know, I would see Run DMC, and, because, you know, my aunt lived on 215 and Hollis, right next to David DMX, Wow. So I would see them easy, the Afros. Like David DMX was like possibly one of like the the first industry individual to like hear me and be like, you know, when I was like 13, he heard me sing, he was like, yo, you're gonna be big. Yo, you mentioned Faith Newman, and I think a lot of people don't realize how Faith Newman, how just entrenched she was and involved with a lot of stuff. Like Faith Newman was the uh, person who got Nazis deal at Columbia, right? Yeah, and she also signed my partner, um, Ron Wrecker, you know, that was down, you know, with us and shit, too. Yeah. We were all down together. So even yeah, he, was on, he was definitely on your Barry White shit. That song, Show and Prove, I love that, Lord. For real, <laughs> As he was blowing your vocal cords, I was like, hold on, the God singing? Get out of here. I got, not, now, you know, that I got some shit coming where, you know, I just felt, but because... Like when 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 Smooth Trigger and myself, you know, when we came out, um, sorry about that. When we came out, we were always big on styles. You know what I'm right. saying? Like just having mad style. Like it's it's we got so many styles that haven't been introduced. You know what I'm saying to the game that is fucking crazy. We would sit in the hallway. And they whole way on 257 Saratoga and just come up with styles, jump funk, like all these different flows and shit like this. So it's it's spooky for me because people <laughs> like I'm just getting started. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the crazy shit. Like for for like like respectfully speaking, niggas is still eating off our old flows. Like we, we're so like we way advanced. They ahead of your time. That's right. Yeah, like we way advanced in the shit. Like broken language. Like niggas is so niggas is so past that. Mm. And like in current space, like niggas is so so much past that. Like my crew can't go. Like we just so much past that. So it's like now for me, uh, it's it's fun like a motherfucker to be able to 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 put out music in the climate of things now. Because right. I'm so much of a unicorn to an extent. Mm, you know, that's right. When I came out, niggas wasn't doing this shit the way I was doing it. They wasn't doing it that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, right. it's funny you mention that because I was, and one of the questions I have for you is that if you look at 
what you were doing then versus what hip hop is now, like at 17 back then, you understood the importance of melodies and incorporating melodies and rap. Now everybody is it's melodic, like all the new hip hop that's going on, people are really incorporating these these melodies. So I wonder just like from your perspective, was that something strategic? And what are your thoughts about how people actually introduce melodies now in hip hop? I mean, it, it was strategic. It was it was strategic between me and DR period. You know what I'm saying? Cause mm. when D when DR period, um when he heard me, he told me like, yo, that shit should be your style. Cause you know, like I, I would sing my raps and shit. Like I write the rap and I'll sing it. And DR was like, that should be your style. I called him up to, to tell him about a remix, a remix idea I had for this joint we had called Footsteps. And he was like, yo, man, that, that shit you was doing with your with your crew, like that should be your style. And and he helped me cultivate it, you know what I'm saying? Like as yeah. a producer, you know, like that's people get that word fucked up between you know making a beat and being a producer. Dr. Period, that's you know, is a producer, and he knew how to produce vocals, and he knew yeah he knew tips and shit. Like yo, put your hand over your ear like this, and sing into your voice so you can master your tone. You oh. know, every. Every day, and then you know uh, when we did the song Dollar Bill, it you know it was about punching in like with the A that. So he punched me in on the first rap, on the A bar rap, and then punched me in four bars, and then punched me in on the other four when I'm singing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "If you could master the exchange of this without the punching, you're gonna be a fucking problem." Yo, and I practiced that shit every fucking day till I got it. <laughs> because it's a mental thing. Right. I'm just talking about what niggas is doing now. I'm talking about when you singing and riffing and doing, you know, doing all kind of little tricky shit, you know. Like come up with come up easy. with a masterpiece. Yeah, it's not easy. And it's crazy because, you know, um, shout out to Jay and and and, and Rock Nation and all that, whatever. But when I heard Beyonce's new approach to singing, I was okay. like, hmm. Yo. Then I seen Jay in the in the studio coaching her, you know, and, and there was times when we were performing Essos and, and when we was leaving, he big niggas up crazy and he come up to me like, yo, that, ooh, that shit you be doing is fucking crazy. Yo. So when I was here, I hate to get the bump and I'm the one with the speech. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah. shit! You know Hold what I'm on. saying? Like, I've been but, doing but that already. In a way where it made me upset, I was flattered by it. You know, mm -hmm. most niggas right. would go to the gram or go and try to vent and make a whole fucking viral spectacle about shit. I'm very <laughs> private with my receipts. You know what I'm saying? So it's like because when I see individuals, it's always love. It's always respect. It's never like, oh, this nigga washed or he, you know, like. Right. Niggas be looking like, yo, son, what's up, man? I know you, you know, you you looking like you're about to do something. I'm like, oh, I'm about to do something. <laughs> yo, when y'all when y'all when y'all came through though, when y'all came through, it was mm -hmm. like at the height of when Brooklyn was eating, like, yo, between big, smooth, trigger, 
You, Black Moon was a little bit Roster, before The roster is crazy out of Brooklyn, yo. AZ, Foxy, and I know Smooth was helping Foxy with her pen. It, just, it was just so many, so many different people coming out of BK. And I always felt like Smooth the Hustler's first album, Once Upon a Time in America, to me, that's like one of the, the most solid debut albums that I have ever heard. Like, I remember listening to that album in its entirety and being like, yo, this dude actually, for a first album, put together a nice a nice classic piece of work you know and i think that back then there was there was more emphasis on actually building a body of work rather than, than just having like one single what was it right. like what was it like putting that album together because you were on the dollar the dollar bill joint and you were on uh, murder fest right yeah i wrote the hook for murder fest and then i i sang the the little shit in the background mm -hmm. and um i was on hustling my everyday life, that's me that's in the what background. Hustling, gambling, nobody move a muscle. Yeah. But um, once again, man, you know, shout out to DR period. Like, between Smooth's fucking genius and DR period's genius and ability to create songs and structure records and then Smooth's knowledge, you know, of, of hip-hop and just, you know... The, Niggas, I mean, he graduated from Mary Bertram, the niggas was fucking brainiac. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> when you put these two individuals together, like, no cap. Like, when you put these two niggas mm -hmm. together, it, it's, it, it was Dre and Snoop before. Right. Dre, it, it was that, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, he got me and, and Trig and, and support and cast. You know, we like the dog pound, you know, and we all in that motherfucker breaking day and night, smoking. Doing what young niggas do, yeah, and 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 it was fun. I think that's the element that, you know, that niggas didn't understand. Like, yeah, we was on some gangster shit, you know. Right. And we was having fun, right? You feel me? Like we was having fun. We always had fun doing this shit. Right. So when it wasn't fun no more, and things started getting wacky and shit, mm. you know. Um, it became more war than it became fun at that point because we, you know, like we came in this shit showing love to everybody and, and, you know, niggas was blood suckers and, 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 you know, faking and acting like they fucked with us. But then when the first opportunity for a demise happened, you know, niggas was running to, to, to take, you know, take niggas spots and, and wow. whatever. So I think for us, we got a real big glimpse of how, shady and fake a lot of niggas was in this shit or is but was right. for somebody here or whatever the fuck this you know the situation is but you know um i'm not bitter you know i'm 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 actually happy because i know i got a one up that's right you know, that education I'm an almanac, you know like i've been doing this shit since the the like the the, the mid 80s so That's my right. knowledge of music and where I can pull from, you know what right. I'm saying? Like you've been all you've been through it, son. And then and then your history with your moms and the things you've been around adds to that. Let me ask mm -hmm. you, man, how much has lyricism changed? And do today's artists collectively know the power of word versus image? I mean, no, because you know, you gotta look at it like now, um, Everything is more about being ostentatious, That's a fact. you know, than it is about 
having substance. You know what I'm saying? Like substance overrides physicality, but not so much in, in this reality. You know what I'm saying? Like there's some other shit. So, and then you got to understand too, we didn't have the information highway like everybody else has. Cause you know, that's what the enemy was called in the beginning, the information highway. That's right. You know, we, we like niggas like, like shit, Misu and Trig, we was in the dictionary. We was going to the library <laughs> and shit like that. You know, for real, like, Trying to fucking strengthen our vocabulary like we was right. big in lyricism. Right. And, and, and the school systems were different. We had after school programs, programs. Yes, sir. community centers, and different, you know, outlets, you know, to, and, and we had different uh, OGs back then, too, who were, right. who were intelligent, you know, like shout out to, to, the, to our brother Babylon. Like he was a great mentor to us and, you know, showing us how to, how to, you know, strengthen our stage presence. So we had a lot of mentorship throughout our process of doing this music shit. So it's like um, a lot of these kids don't have the mentorship. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't have um, they don't have fathers. You know, moving trick father was around. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad lived in the house. You know, like it was different. You know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, we had structure. Like our, our our parents didn't fucking play, especially our our, our pops. Because my pops and new pops, it's crazy because they played basketball together and we didn't even fucking know that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how, how crazy that shit. So it was already ordained for us to you know to connect when you know when we did. But to get back on the topic, um, you got a lot of these you know these these kids who on you know, third and fifth grade reading levels. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and because everything that they, you know, everything that they're looking for information-wise, they could just ask Siri or just ask, you feel me? Like they, Right, right. You could just Google it phone. now and it come up. Yeah. It makes the mind lazy. You know what I'm saying? Bit. So now if you got 10 rappers that's coming out, how was the circuit? The yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that shit working? Nah, it's working, and it is. And that shit working? You're gonna create. You're gonna breed a, a a plethora of young, you know, inspiring artists that's going to follow a formula that they see working. So right. I think it's more about what 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 you know what's being introduced to the youth, opposed to you know, um, it being a lack thereof because the, the the youth that's present are very intelligent. But when it comes to, 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 to black art or you talking about urban art or hip hop music, it's so fucking powerful that the powers that be control it in a way to, to make a mockery of our, of, of our intelligence as people. Yeah, that's right. So they let the bullshit get through, and they give they put all the money behind that. So you know, white America could look at us and be like, "See, they, they haven't they haven't excelled." Meanwhile, there's so many other intelligent, you know, artists that are doing intelligent shit. That's that it's not being highlighted because that's not the light they want us to be depicted. Yeah, and they even and, and I say them not just white people there is a there is a mic there is a microcosm of yeah. individuals that are of all shades that are part of the oppression of us all you know that's what right. I'm saying? That's, so, a, that's a fact you know 
That's a That's fact. A fact. So you, you ever think, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned having an OG or a mentor and then your, your pops is there. Will we ever give back to exalting one another the way we used to in the 80s? Like, it was good to say brother when you seen someone. Or even even when I learned, I learned from the gods, because my, my, my uncle is God body. Just hearing, yo, peace, God. Like, that resonated in in me, for one, to think, oh, damn, black man is God? Hold on. Let me stop for a second and think about that for a second. That connection between the youth and those who are older, it seems to be frayed a lot. And not not so much that, that, that OGs are hating, but we're, we're, a lot of us are just watching the demise. And like you said, the education of it is a big part. But then also, some of the youth aren't just as receptive when hearing an OG or old. And be like, yo, shorty, chill out for a second. Nah, fuck that. Da, 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 I ain't going for that shit there. It's like, pump your brakes for I'm trying to give you a little bit of wisdom. I came from a time when wisdom, like you said, was necessary. If I was doing something bad in the street, nigga, grab me by the car and go, yeah. get to the park, man. You don't need to be out here. Mm-hmm. You right. know what I mean? Will we I ever mean, get back to that? I mean, I'm not a psychic, but, I, <laughs> you know, I would, I would, I would hope, right? say that, you know, individuals like Nas, you right. know, even down to myself and a few other you know, brothers that, you you know, we just can't be the only ones fighting the good fight. And and we right. need all hands on deck, That's you know fact. what I'm saying, to make this shit cool again, to make being intelligent cool. Cool again. When being a poor, righteous teacher was cool. Yes, you sir. Know, being a public enemy was cool. You know what I'm saying? So, you um, I, I feel like I'm definitely a part of that regime of making intelligence cool. You know, like my acronym uh, for, you know, for the team that we, you know, that we started when we were young, SMG, you know, I it, the phrase meant sex, money, and guns, and it still does. <laughs> but, you know, I put a twist to it for the moving forward of things, and I say salute my genius. How about that? You know what I'm saying? When I greet my peoples, I just say my genius, especially in front of white people. You know, they love that shit. Like, my genius. (laughs) Like that, you know? Yes, get used to calling us in our rightful space, please. Nothing more, nothing less. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't have have the crystal ball on it, but Right now, you know, being a part of of a gang is 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 like being a part of a family at this point. And a lot of these kids don't have families, mm. so if we can if we can induce or inject, you know, uh, family frequency into our communities again, right? Then we can save some of the, these kids that really don't want to be a part of none of this shit. And I say shit respectfully, right? You know, because I do have family in that in 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 that culture, and they take it a little serious on a more revolutionary standpoint than than most. But you know, I'm in the country. I'll I'll say this (laughs) and let you go. Um, Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Um, You know, I'll say this like. We, if, if we can, in, you, you know, if we can just inject more family and more community and in, into 
and into the communities. That's a, a lot of shit would change. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. We don't have no like the big brothers is 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 the big homie. You know what I'm saying? That's the big blood. That's the big. You know so. And I'm glad you said that. I mean, to cut your wisdom because nah, you I, have, I, have, I have three daughters, and you know they they attract boys or whatever. But they boy they they she got they got a lot of friends. I always make sure to grab one of them little knuckleheads and put them under my wing, and have right. a one on one talk to them. What you doing? What's going on with you? Say, your grades good? Here's right. a book. Don't worry about. It. Take this book with you. Tell me. Tell me about it next time you come to my house. Yeah, you know, I think change though, like the um, the this this generation of music. Not that it's terrible. Like I don't want to be overly yeah. critical because I we grew up in a generation where music had similar <clears throat> things. But I think that there was right. much more of a, a variety. Like you could go from, um, you know, a NWA to a De La Soul, and there was a time when we actually embraced, and 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 really loved knowledge in our raps like you said like poor righteous teachers you know there was uh de la soul that came with something completely different there was um high x clan public enemy you name it we felt proud and happy to be black and appreciate and enjoy the music but now right. it's like everything that was being promoted is has nothing to do with that and it's, it's just to me it's just been like a a, a shift in terms of what the you know what the the paradigm is of what people deem to be acceptable in music now it's like you know like you think about like even Jay when Nas first um started doing these raps your your shit is garbage what you trying to kick knowledge but then you mm -hmm. listen to Jay Z on the four 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 album and that whole album is him kicking knowledge like financial literacy so you know you see some some type of growth and development from him right. and I think that we still have we still have artists around that's dropping right. those jewels. Us yeah. as, as like the elders now, we have to be in a position where we promote those artists and we right. play those artists for the young ones underneath for us so that way they could get the get those gems in their ear. Like when I'm in the, uh, the car with my son, you know, he's putting me on the music. I'm putting him on the music. Some of the stuff he listened to, he like, I I can't, I ain't feeling it. Some of the stuff he listened to, I'm like, nah, this is dope. I like it or whatever, but I'm exposing him to it and giving him an opportunity to hear it and showing him like, you know, music is more than just about pill popping and jewelry and stuff like that. You know, I, I was, I was the other day, I was, I think I seen like an article or something where Method Man was talking about something that was very interesting to me. Method Man was like, he doesn't understand how all of these rappers now are so rich, like these young and upcoming rappers. And he wasn't saying it from the perspective of a hater. He was just really talking about the continuum of how the monetization of music, how far it's gone. Like, Method Man was an A-list artist, and he was talking about, I remember getting like $10,000 a show on a good day. He was like, Even I, less I, than I wasn't that. flying <laughs> private or whatever. He was like, now you see on the gram, all these people are flying private. And he was like, how, you know, he's like, yo, how is it that they can afford to do this at $35,000 a flight or whatever it is when the music is not the quality of music that we've, we've grown accustomed to. So I, I don't know, I think it's just been a shift in general. I would ask you though, just based on your experience in the music industry, like what is it that you learned from your Def Jam experience that you took with you and made you build and say like, all right, I seen something. At the age of 17, I seen something that now make me want to move a little bit different or take a different approach to the industry. Or were you, in, were you not in a position at that young of an age to actually take the lesson away from it? I mean, 
Hold on. I got to come in and come back out. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Shout oh, out Trey, to the Trey, man. Trey coming through. Trey coming through? That'd yeah. be dope. Trey, what's good? What's good? What's good? How are you doing? What's good, 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 good brother? I'm doing good. Peace, Christ. Peace, God. Yeah, Peace, man. Good to see you. you. look good, God. You look good, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate yes, it. Sir. Yo, we need we we Christ had to leave out, but he gonna come back in. But we we gonna need a whole episode to build with you to talk yes, about sir. your broken language. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. I'm just co-signing what DV saying. You know, definitely on on a lot on a lot of levels. You know, so I, yeah, we understand the game a little differently now. You That's know? right. I know y'all was speaking on um, how these guys are making so much money. Um, mm. Really, there's no middleman no more. Mm. That's a fact. You cut the third, third and fourth party out, everything is going directly to the artist. So this is the reason why the artist is succeeding more now and gaining mm. revenue. And um, the splits are different. Yeah. You, you assigned to the major, it was like 10 cents on a dollar, 20 cents on a dollar. It depends on how you negotiated your contract. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's straight splits. You know, they doing they doing um 50 50, half and half, or sometimes some of these artists get nine dollars on every sale. Damn, that's know, crazy. So it depends <laughs> on negotiating your contract and these 360 deals are a little different. Because back mm -hmm. then you wasn't dealing with um artists merchandising, you know, you didn't you didn't have to give up that, you didn't have to give up a percentage of your show money, things mm -hmm. like that. You know, nowadays um these artists are are, are signed, they tied all the way in. You know, okay. all in situation. So it's a little different. So these companies, think about it. If you got somebody that you can make money off of for the rest of your life, all they have to do is entertain you as a you as a business and a company is going to do nothing but put money behind them and keep pushing them because you right. the money anyway, mm -hmm. and you can give them a percentage that they you know that they require. But at the same time, if they don't know how to negotiate those percentages. This is the reason why the, the companies are making triple more than the artists is making, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, you know, like record labels have scaled, they've scaled back. Like, you know, you don't hear much about A&Rs and all these other people and these big promotional budgets right. anymore. But what they, what they have done is that I think they've realized that a lot of times they weren't promoting artists the way that artists need to be promoted. So artists were failing to meet like the sales expectations right. and the artists were put in positions where they were recouping forever, but they knew artists, like you said, was going on the road, getting their show money, you know, making money off of merch or doing whatever it was. So they figured out a way, this is, this is the other way that I'm going to tap into getting exactly. a couple of dollars from the artists. And yo, it's, it's, it's they, unfortunate. Labels was losing too, because you got to think about it. They was giving production budgets as well as artist budgets. Mm. You know, and then you might get your upfront money and things like that that you might get from the record label. But it depends on the production company you was under or the, or who was handling your budget at that time. This is why A&R's played a big part because they was kind of like the middleman between the record label and the artist. Right. But then, but then what happened is this. The artist is being an artist, but the A&R's and everybody else, they want you to succeed too. It's not like they just ripping you off, but what they're doing is they're spinning more than what you might spend on maybe a studio session or a certain studio or a certain producer you might work Give it with. off the top. A exactly. You know, so a lot of times um, you can you can present albums and, 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 and have everything done and a record label will still say, well, 
you know, we want you to work with this producer or this producer. So they lock you into more money and more money. And a lot of times, once the record sales start happening, the artist is locked into a certain amount of money. So the record label have to make that money back first before the artist sees anything. Right, you, know? you got that crazy overhead and you got to work work your way back. Yo, right. it's crazy. What's, what, what's your opinion on streaming? Um, I like streaming, to be honest with you. Right. I, think, I think you can make a lot of money from streaming if you do the right thing with it, you know? Okay. And tie into the right company that will allow you to make a certain percentage off of your streams. Yeah, that's right. Streaming also, it still goes back to just like a record company saying, well, you get a certain percentage off the record sale. Right. Same thing off streaming. You know, they give you a certain percentage off the streaming. So it's the way you negotiate your contracts. You know, when I, when me, Christ, and Smooth was on profile in Def Jam, you know, I was able to leave um, Def Jam with me and Christ Masters. Mm. You know, yeah. A lot of a lot of guys artists can't ever say ain't that. Ne they never, yeah, they ain't never seen their masters. I, my masters back from Tommy Boy, and um, Def Jam. Yo, how about that? Yo, I'm trying that. to figure out for the life of me, how is it that Def Jam never formally dropped your album? Like, why well, be, the honest, buzz y'all had was crazy. Yeah, to be honest with you, a lot of people don't know. To be to be real honest with you, I pulled my album from Def Jam. Oh, okay. See, see, what people didn't realize was that when they held, when they, the first time that they had held the project back, it wasn't for no other reason but uh, marketing and promotion and things that they wanted to handle at the record label. Mm -hmm. So the second time when they pushed the uh, date back, it was more because they didn't know what single to put out. They didn't, they didn't know exactly what single to put out. A after they not to promote. Go for that? Right, right, exactly. Because even before, uh, right after my crew can't go for that, before bus. Russell, Russell was really pushing for Hitman for Hire mm. to be the next single. And Def Jam wanted something different, you know? So at that time, we were still going through a process of Christ with his contract. He was going to get ready to start recording his album. And there was things going on with the, uh, the label other than Def Jam. You know, I was under No Doubt Entertainment mm -hmm. at the time, you know? And I was just was finding out things that you know, dude was doing that was like really under the table. I kind of stopped it as soon as I found out about it. I held right. held the project back. Um, I understood what it was between our splits and who would make money and who wouldn't. And everybody, you know, you know how you have a lot of people looking at you like, yo, why you do that? A lot of people could have ate. We would all ate off this. But people got to realize, you know, it's, yeah. it's my life, you know. At the right. end, That's you know, right. I'm content with um, not dropping that album on Def Jam or anything like that. You know, I was cool with that. Yeah. You, yo, you know what's bug about that, though? Like, it made me think about with the joint with Master P said when he had went and he, he, I think he said he went to Profile first or something, and they offered him 10 million or whatever it is, and he was on the plane coming back and was like, yo, if they're going to give me 10 million, what is it really worth? And that's what you're saying. Makes me think exactly. that. To be, to be honest with you, like, even when they stopped, when they didn't release my project that month, they revamped me again with another like 1.5. So mm. I was basically at Def Jam with $3 million and no album dropping. But I was still touring because I was touring with my brother. Mm -hmm. You know, right. record out broken language that wasn't on Def Jam. So we were still touring all over the world. Then um, we teamed up with Ice-T and then we started touring everywhere around the world. All three of us together under our own record label called Corner Records, which we was putting out music in the UK. So we was touring out there on a regular and we were still putting out independent singles under SMG. 
So then we wound up putting out a, um, a whole album, an SMG album that we put out in the UK. We went to the UK and we toured out there. We made a hell of a grip of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. never. <laughs> so what we did, man, Smooth just kept pushing our stuff out, you know, all around the world because we knew what the United States was doing. We know what was going on in the industry. We had got the um. We had got the message that the game was changing, it was switching over, mm -hmm. and we knew exactly how they were switching it over. So we said, instead of throwing albums out, putting it in that, that system again, we're going to just, we ain't going to throw no albums out right now. So that's what we did. We just laid back on it, but we, we constantly kept creating music, creating albums, creating albums. So that's what we did. Yo, who was, yeah, who, who was, no, who was responsible for No Doubt, though? Was that Dante Ross? That was Dante Ross. Dante Ross, yeah. Me and, me and Christ was on there both, but when I saw the little slick things that was going on under the table, I kind of pulled mine and kind of stopped Christ at the same time, but Christ still had the opportunity to release his album or, you know, do what he wanted to do, but mm -hmm. Christ's a team player, you know, so he yes, was like, working with you, it's not working with me, because we had a copycat deal at Def Jam. When I got signed, uh, we got signed Christ. We got we got Christ signed right after without even a record out. Mm. About that, about that. That's how you do it too, man. He was just doing album, but he didn't have individual record out like you know pop or anything. So I was like, look, if you're gonna take me, you got you know got to take my partner. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's what it was, you know. And at the, at the end of the day, we knew what it was when we was pulling away from um, Def Jam. Mm. You know, so talk about talk about that tour you did with Ice T. How was that experience? Oh man, to be honest with you, Ice like a that's like an older bro to me. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the OG. Yeah, yeah, he like oh. I've been with Ice like 25 years. You know what I'm saying? So it's like touring around the world with him. He's a laid back dude. He's about his paper. About his paper. He's a strong he's, dude. Yeah, he's gonna school you every minute that you be around him. You know what right. I'm saying? you about the game he's gonna school you about the um hollywood he's gonna school you about everything basically and you know and also as a just as being a a father you know what i'm saying right. i'm a father myself you know what i'm saying right so, you know it's about our children first and then that's right only second and everything else you know yeah and that's what we just talked about that we just talked about having that mentorship or just having uh an outlet for these younger guys or just taking a younger guy up under your wing and give him some jewels. Let him know, yo, it's a different way you could do things. It's more than one way to skin a cat. Oh, you don't yeah. have to do it. You know what I'm saying? And that's dope. Yeah. Like, Christ, like Christ had mentioned about SMG. When we started SMG, we started out with Sex, Money, and Guns. It was for the music. And like um, Christ said, he switched up the name SMG. But for years, we've been using SMG name as we have. Right now, me and Smooth own an armed security company wow. in Richmond. Dope. How about that? Yeah. See that? More yeah. than one, like I said, more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> it's all about, it's, it's, and to be honest with you, I like under us, we have um, private investigators, we got bell agents, we got, we do personal and executive protection, you know, and we got a team. And, I mean, we work hard, you know, mm -hmm. and That's um, right. we just, you know, I, like I employ about 35 people right now. Nice. You know, so. And that's just it. And I, like I tell brothers, it didn't have nothing to do with rap music. Mm -hmm. That's right. Got to step away from things sometimes and just reinvent yourself and, and, and do something different. Yeah. You know, I had this question for Christ, but I'm going to ask you. True. How important is imagination? Oh, man, it's very important, man. 
I mean, to be honest with you, even as as kids, man, me, Smooth, and, and Christ, like, we used to just sit around and just imagine everything. I mean, you have to speak it into existence, to be honest. Right, right, right. It's like you're right. powerful, so you plant the seed on what you speak on. You know, when you speak certain things, you plant that seed, and as long as you keep striving towards it, you can be successful in it. You know, because there's nothing can hold you back from being becoming or doing anything you want to do. And I tell my friends and my homeboys that all the time. Anytime I mention something and say, look, yo, we're going to open up this or we're going to go do this. And they look at me and go, man, that's going to take a minute. I go, no, it don't. No, it's not. Because people, right. people look at money. At money is just a tool. That's, that's right. Money. It's just a tool of life. It's just for you to, you know, feel a little more comfortable, pay some bills, take care of things you want to do. And that's it. But when you put your whole life around it, you know, and you focus on, oh, I got to make this dollar, I got to make this dollar, you'll never make it. Yeah. To be honest that's with you. That's a fact. You yeah. know, that's a fact. By degree in people comes, you know, because they, they, so, they so striving on making that dollar. And then when they see somebody next to them, that's not working hard, but they're working smart. To make that dollar, they want to take it from them, you know? So that's what that is. Yo, I want to I wanna know what that session was like for Broken Language. Oh, wow. <laughs> yo, I want to know how Broken Language came together. And, yo, did you know, I read somewhere that Heather Headley for, um, basically used that flow for He Is, which He Is to me is a dope song. But she gave right. y'all credit and was like, yo, I got this from Smooth and Trigger. Definitely, definitely. I remember when they had sent me the song from her, mm. you know? And um, when we was in the studio, to be honest with you, DR had gave me that beat, and he was like, yo, if you want to make it on a smooth album, um, you know, you're going to have to hurry up and get something to me. And so smooth album was basically, like, almost finished. Like, he think he had about two or three songs left or something. And me and Christ, Christ was supposed to be on Broken Language. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, me and Christ was basically um, getting ready to start writing it. And Christ had to leave. It was an emergency he had to leave out on. And I started writing it inside my, my home. And then my brother walked in and I was like, yo, check this out real quick. And I started writing, you know, kicking some of it to him. And he was like, what? He was like, hold on, I'll be back. And he went in the other <laughs> So I, I didn't see him for like two hours. And then he came out the room like, yo, listen to this. And about to, he kicked basically a whole like 32 bars or something like that mm. to that. And I kicked him like 32 bars. And it was kind of like going inside right with each other. Yeah. So, like, we were, yeah, we wasn't even sitting there with each other. It was kind of like that brother love, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's I, right. That, that, that is the connection. Yeah, classic. Plus, we always had this competition thing. Smooth was always writing as a writer, as a rapper. He always was doing I was more as a freestyle battle rapper, mm -hmm. you know, more just hanging around him when he rap against people and stuff. And I was picking up flows and lines and things like that. Then I used to go to him with, when I would freestyle, I would do a whole bunch of different flows and smooth like, yo, you gotta start writing, man. Like, what you doing? And so that's why DR started pushing me like, yo, in order for you to get on this album, you gotta write something. You gotta give me something. Yeah. And I took him broken language, you know? And it wasn't the, it was crazy that the beat wasn't even the way it was. It's just like, um, boom, 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 boom. That was it, boom, boom. Mm. It ain't right. switch ups, no changes, no drops, no nothing in the beat when I was writing it. So I was like, wow. But then when I took it to DR and he kind of did his touch to it. He cleaned it up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, <laughs> yo, when it was done and you heard it, did you know? Was y'all like, yo, we got one? 
Nah, to be honest with you, because it was more, like I told you, it was more that I freestyled like that. I had battled, I used to battle people like that. I, that was be like, like my, my last style I would battle somebody with and then end the battle with that and they wouldn't want to rhyme no more. So, you know what I'm saying? And then me and Smooth we used to do, we used to do it just bugging out in the hallway with me and him. We used to just, you know, say who we are and, and things like that. And then when I put it there and we listened to it, we was like, all right, it's going to be dope. But we never still looked at it like it's going to be a hit or it's going to be something that really, you know, like take over the underground. And then a lot of people call it underground, but we went mainstream with it. We was around the world. Yes, sir. Yo, that's, that song is stood the test of time. That shit took off. You, you can't, yeah, you can't be a hip-hop head and not know broken language. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to me that New York, we ain't never gave out awards at BT, none of that stuff here or anything. But when we in UK and all that, you know, they was honored to have us at their war shows and things like that. You know, it's it's kind of movement is different, you know. Yeah, that, that global audience is different. They love they love all the classic. They love some of the new shit, but they love you throw hip -hop. some. They oh. love hip right. Oh, period. they love man. Listen, listen, listen. The new stuff is good. They gonna they gonna attach to that because it's the new wave. But you throw some old school hip hop to them, they shut everything else down. That's everything. Everything. <laughs> Every take, son. Yeah, they love now. They love hip hop. Like that's why dudes could go overseas and get like that love. Cause overseas yeah. is where yo, it's where it's at. The, the graffiti, they still breaking. They yeah. DJing. You know, like, like all of the elements. You still feel the culture out here. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel it. You 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 go around guys backpackers. You know, they still packing the backpack. They like you said, they break dancing. They still into mm -hmm. part of graffiti. You know, they pop. Mm -hmm a lot you know it's a lot that's going on out there and then also like it was crazy to me because one time i was in i was in me and um the team we was in brazil and we had just left um scott i'm sorry we had just left scotland or london mm -hmm. and we in, we on a stage and we performing and we looked in the stage and it was a young kid in the stage had, i mean in the um audience had to be about 12 years old he had left London and followed us to Brazil. Mm. Word? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Yo. And this was like 97, 98. So when I seen that, I kind of knew right then and there. I said, wait a minute. This is something different. different. This is yeah, this is different. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you, tell you what's beautiful about that, though. Like, just listening to you talk about that. Like, yo, we I grew up in the, in the South Bronx. Like, yo, we dudes from the hood. And hip hop has been able to take take people around the world, make yes. millionaires, change lives, help you create businesses after hip hop. Like you just think about like the culture right. that people thought would no longer exist right. after exactly. a certain period of time, how people have parlayed that into so many different opportunities. Right, right. I, I mean, when I was going back out in um, 96, 97, around that time I was performing in front of like the Eiffel Tower with like three million people. Look at that. You know? Um yeah, and it was just like it, it was shocking to me to just see that. That was my first time really experiencing that type of crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in front of the Eiffel Tower. I need a picture. That that right there I can see an image of that shit. That's like, dope. You like, me? Yeah, I was working with a guy named John Michel Jacques. Um I think on one of Jay Z albums he had mentioned him. Um and I think it's set last two albums ago. He kind of missed then that was his first time kind of like meeting him and being with him. But like I was saying, like the elite was involved since then. They handled 
thing. You see what I'm saying? And this is like royal family. This is this is what's been going on out there forever. And it's, right. it's so big out there. You know, um, like I got a lot of good friends from out there that yeah. talk to me and let me know even what's going on in our country, what's, what's happening here before it happened. You know, they get the message, they get the MO. That's the family. That's it. That's how you guys how you stay connected, man. Exactly. But these guys, I mean, I, I just hope these artists, what's was really tripping me out is how these young artists are getting killed. That's yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. And that's the reason why I asked Christ, you know, the importance of the power of word versus image. Right. Well, is is it what they're hearing? in the music that's driving them or is it what they're seeing right. that's driving them? Like, right. like when we grew up, it was Poor Righteous Teachers, KRS-One, Public Enemy. There was there was enough artists that when we heard it, it was like, yo, stand up straight. Get, right. get your shit together. You know right. what I'm saying? No. But no. now you hear it and it's like, I'm going to bop you in your fucking head when I see you. <laughs> it's crazy you said that. Look, it's, it's, it's real weird how Think about it. Back then, we had fans, right? And these young fans were—they wanted to learn about the streets, right? Okay. Correct. Us as artists, we was going through the struggle. That was the crack era. Who was already in the street? Right. That was the—that was the crack era. It was. Heavy. That's right. So we kind of—if you hear the music from the '90s, it kind of broke down the struggle of the music. You know, things that happened and stuff like right. that. From the eighties, right, 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 right. I got you. Oh, and you wanted you wanted to change up some some things in your music to where you kind of giving the cause and effect. That's more right. was in music at that time. You know, now it's more like the artists around me more being the the actual um uh like like the the buyer. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So before we had drug dealers and we had crackheads. Now <laughs> you got kids, they they rhyming about taking drugs. Taking yeah, yeah. Different. Their mentality is even different on how they're not speaking on a struggle. They're speaking on a trap. The trap struggle is the same thing we spoke on trying to explain to people to come out of. To come out of, right. Not out to celebrate it. Not to celebrate it. It might look like it was being celebrated because of nah. whatever. Right. But it wasn't. If you listen to the message behind it, it was deeper. Nowadays, guys is telling you to take the ecstasy, telling you to pop the pills, telling you to do that. So the mentality with the fans, as far as the kids, they looking at what they see. That's right. That's the image. That's the image they see. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And even though they can be getting taught the right things at home, when they get in the streets, you know, right. it's kind of like they have to put on this facade for people that they're around. And That's right. The influence. Don't want to be that, but they they have to be that to feel like they down or to make somebody recognize them in a certain way, and they just need to understand that to be cool is to be you. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's right. That's the uh, you know what that that's where the promotional money goes. <laughs> that's where people they promote, and that's what plays on the radio, and that's why I think that's so so embraced by the um by the youth and the culture. Right. You know, like I the part of the part of I think the responsibility though that we have to take, like I was saying, the crisis, like like the elders, is that we have to support those projects where it is people on there dropping jewels or yes, right. the artists and yes. stuff like that. Because if we don't support it, if we're critical 
of the youth, but then we don't support when dudes like Harris put out a new project. Wow. We're do you know, we're doing a disservice. We're basically right. reinforcing to the kids that yo, we don't want nobody want to hear from this dude anymore. Like back in December, I went to um I went to a concert. It was Slick Rick, Rakim, Harris, Big Daddy Kane. Wow. Jazzy Jeff was, it was like, yo, it was, it was oh, a my. concert EPMD that made me flash back to a time. I'm like, damn, like, yo, hip hop was, was great. <laughs> like what, ha what happened to hip hop, man? Yeah. It's like every 10 years, somebody come in and change the narrative. Of, change the narrative, yeah. You know? And it's kind of like, to me, I got, me and my moms be talking and I was telling my moms, I said, Remember when we was buying um, DVD, not DVDs, uh, the, the tapes, VHS? the VHS tapes, yeah. and they had this thing called Faces of Death. Oh! Like anything dealing with death or anything. I and remember those, yo. I told my mom one time when all them things, when that was going on, I said, Ma, it's going to be a time where we're killing is gonna be broadcast in a certain way. When you and I was telling her about reality TV way before it had hit. Then when reality hit, she was like, "Man, I you always talking about this reality TV." And then when she saw on YouTube an actual killing, she brought up that conversation that I had with her when I said, "People are gonna be doing this. People like to see what they either want to do but won't do." Okay, and you gotta look at it. The world is funny because you can tell by that from movies. All you have to do is watch the movies that come out. Right. That come out. See what the most exciting movie. Everybody runs to the movie to see, and it's the action movie. It's the movie of somebody action or the drug dealer that's getting big and success. So the average kid or young person that's sitting around, it's like they're trying to dream that life out. You know that fantasy life. You know, they get caught up in that. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's what, to me, I, I look at it a lot of times. I'll be like, I just want to see, to be honest with you, I want to see the young artists come together, no matter if they blood, crip, whatever. Come right. Find a solution on how they can move in the industry and in the streets without each other getting killed over some nonsense that's not going to get nobody nowhere, man. It's not going to... Listen, I think a lot of these brothers think getting in trouble is going to help their career. I remember back in the days, artists used to do that as a gimmick. We'll call the police on themselves for something real small just to get in. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was that was things people used to do back in the days. I mean... That's the, wrong, that's the wrong gimmick, right? There. <laughs> but you know what? If you look at Right, but I get your point, though. Huh? You got a lot of them that do it. They just look at them on social media. They put right. it. You know? Now I tell people, by me owning an armed security company, I tell people, man, social media right now is the biggest FBI database. Yeah, people getting themselves indicted. Yo, listen, man. Putting them guns up online. Kids, is every video, they showing a gun. They doing this, they doing that. They, you know, it, it's putting them in a situation. They marking them, Surrender. right? And they, they fail to realize that these phones are being linked to towers that have links, and they know your location. And next, you know, niggas is knocking at your door. Are you flashing guns, huh? You flashing guns? Come outside. Right. 
why Jay Z and Meek Mills is fighting for them not to be able to use use the yeah use your lyrics right against you yeah. back down to that, and 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 then you got these everybody to me. I think they got trapped in this world of of likes and dislikes, right? It's validation, right? Exactly. And I, I feel like if people validate themselves and stop worrying about everybody else validating them, it will move a little different, you know. And, and I think people, when they when you look for validation from people, it's some things you you might overstep and you might do that you won't normally do. Yeah, and you set yourself off for disappointment. Exactly. You set yourself up for disappointment. Like to go back to what you were saying about the Jay Z and Meek Mill stuff. What's crazy about that to me is like you got Arnold Schwarzenegger, all these action flick mm -hmm. dudes or whatever, all this stuff. Rambo, Schwarzenegger committed a crime. <laughs> yo, they go in court play like yo. We remember when you was a Terminator and you had all them guns. <laughs> <laughs> right. You see, they're not gonna do that. They're not gonna do that to to Al Pacino and them, the ones that played, you know, Scarface and. Yeah. Guys that played for Nino Brown and all that, you know, those those things like that was errors. Like um, to me, Scarface, that was kind of like the, the the Coke era for you know, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the the guys that was getting the money, the the rich people or the people that was wealthy. Yeah. You know, you and, you know you know what the the delineation with that is though. Those yeah. people aren't attempting to portray themselves outside of the film as that and then when you get some of these dudes that they rapping about it but then like you said get on social media they got the guns out and all that that's why people are they're trying to link it and tie it in together and say like nah that's not it's not only on the record this is what you actually living or whatever like damn that'd be hard you gotta be a fool to get indicted based on lyrics that you wrote right think about think about the artist that right that really <laughs> never speak but is really a genius in writing Mm -hmm. And he can he paint pictures. I say like I always tell Smooth. I say yo, when we write, we paint pictures for the blind, people that can't actually see what's going on. Mm -hmm. and yo, and I I mean to cut your wisdom, Lord, but that's why I asked the question about imagination. I just believe we're using imagination wrong because we're all doing it. Ninety five ninety five to ninety nine percent of the day, you're having a conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. So that conversation that you're having with yourself, you're putting an image mm -hmm. with the with the words you're using, the whole nine yards, and out of that, you're gonna manifest what it is that you feel earnestly about how you feel about yourself. Most people have low self-esteem, but then when they go out, they get defensive, and before you know it, now they're in a fight. Now there's a war going on because your self-esteem is low, and you don't know how to deal with that. But I, that's why I always ask that question about imagination, because it's a tool. It's a tool just like money. Right. Use it to create, like you said, dream the biggest dream you want. Right. And, and focus on that dream and stick to it, and I guarantee you it'll manifest. Yeah, yes, it will. Yes, it will. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like a real prime example of that, especially in the market. Yes, sir. Family, they know. You know, if I speak on something and I go forward towards it and it manifests, you know, because I'm mm -hmm. so long probably or, or just constantly talking about it, I'm just one of them types that's going to make it happen. I have yeah. to happen. You know? Right. That's right. You know? And that, that's why I do what I do, straight up. That's good. You need you need action. Some people get stuck in that procrastination stage where it's, it's so a lot of times to me, a lot of stuff is just about doing something. Mm -hmm. It's about doing right. something. And sometimes people get so caught up in the thought process, the planning of stuff that they never actually move into the action 
step. Like for even for us, when we put this podcast together, when the pandemic first started, you know, it wasn't about like, all right, we got, we're going to have all this equipment. We're going to do all this stuff and everything, you know, we're going to write out this huge production plan. It was like, let's, 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 let's start talking to people. Let's start having conversations, cool. you know, and whereas yeah. there are some people who would have probably sat for six months and no knock on them and developed everything out and all that for us. It was like, nah, let's do something and let's develop yeah. it over time. And I really believe that, you know, action to me is a far more value than spending a substantial amount of time in planning. Now I'm not trying to devalue yeah. planning because I do think there's value in planning, but I think if you only get stuck in a planning stage, plan zone, it right. becomes problematic. And I think honestly, yeah. like, you know, like not to talk, like bring drag politics into it, but I think a lot of what we have going on in our, um, our country now is a result of that. Like it's a whole bunch of ideas and think tanks and all that, but there's never any implementation. No action. Yeah, no ideas or whatever. So it's like, no you got right. these great ideas, but you haven't implemented them. They mean nothing. Right. That's true. And there's no respect. That's another thing. Yes, sir. There's no respect. Lack of respect. Lack of respect. It starts there first because when you respect each other, you think different of each other. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. So I kind of think more in a positive manner than thinking in a negative way, you know? That's right. And, and kind of when you're thinking positive and you both on the right path, you can succeed to something. Right. Let yeah. me get your, let me get your opinion. Cause I know you, I know you're, you're removed. You're not in BK anymore. I don't know how much you follow the news in New York. Like I'm not, I don't live in New York anymore either, but I still follow a lot of the news in New York. And I don't know, know if you noticed like the uptick in the violence that's coming out of New York now, you know, and we, you know, we product of New York in the, 80s and 90s, and it didn't seem like to me in the 80s and 90s there was as much violence as you see now. What are your, what are your thoughts around that? I mean, it's, it's crazy to be honest with you. You know, um, I think that when they're talking about their streets, then they need more police in their streets, and they need, they need to be held more accountable for kids that's getting killed in their streets. Mm -hmm. You know, when something happened, they say the police, they go, okay, the police gonna find the killer. Okay, what about when we in your streets getting a ticket for driving, when your streets were getting a ticket for jaywalking, when your streets were getting a ticket for whatever, you call it your streets. But when someone child get killed in your streets, you, you ain't nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> point. So it starts from there. And then also with the with the, the young men out there, I mean, think about it. There's nothing that they have like we used to have that can take them away from the social media. We used to have boys and girls clubs and yep. different things like that, after school centers and basketball centers. They took all that away. And by them taking all that weight away, they knew it was gonna be nothing there left for them. Right. We need our black leaders in our communities to step forward and mm -hmm. start putting more programs in right. these communities to get the kids from having so much free time of doing nothing. Yeah. You know, a lot of these kids can't start working until they're a certain age. Mm -hmm. You know, so in between that time alone, they got a lot of time right there to be either building up their craft or they're going to be doing something negative. You know, out in the doing something that they have no knowledge about, really, in all reality, because they have no more role models. There's no more OG role models in the hood really taking these guys around after they saw that we lost the um, the brotherhoods and the, and the boys and girls clubs. After we lost that, it's not a lot of men that st stepped up and said, you know what, we're gonna take some of these um, little bars we got or 
little barber shops that we own and let's right. you know, whatever and, and bring some of these kids in here on the weekend and let's do something different, you know, with them to take their mind off the um the guns. Like I'm living down in Virginia, right? And the difference of me coming from New York to Virginia with my kids, they're not curious of the gun. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. New York having it illegal, kids never get the opportunity to even understand or learn about them. Yeah. So what right. happens is when they see it or hear it, the curiosity kicks in. That's they right. Up, they want to touch it. They know they're hot in it. They know it's illegal. But the rush of having it, knowing that, you know, this is something that can protect me or, or take from somebody to do whatever, if they don't have the right mentality to have that in their hand, it's going to be used wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And right. Virginia, you're openly open to carry and you can have concealed carry, but it's easy for you to take classes and learn about how to use the weapon, how to break it down, what it's really for. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's not the gun, it's the actual person. person. Behind, you know, the gun is there forever and never kill nobody, never hurt nobody. Mm. But it's the, it's the hands that it get into, the mental stage of the person who hands is in. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to um to one of my friends the other day, and I don't know how this, this discussion came up. And he was talking about, like, actually it came up because we were talking about, like, the violence and stuff. And he was like, he was talking about community and he he's you know he's around my age and he was like yo i don't really remember growing up in a sense of community you know and he grew up in the bronx too and i told him i remember growing up where there was community where it was the older the ogs and there were parents respected in the community also that you know were invested in the youth in the community but i told him i was like to me crap really helped to deteriorate community uh, community Oh yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people that were pillars in the community fell victim to crack. Yeah. And as a result of it, you know, it kinda it kinda set the um the community back some. Yeah. So now we're in a position where you look at some of these communities and like you said, like, you know, I live I live up in Connecticut and I was fortunate enough with um with my children to give them an opportunity where they didn't have the experiences that I yeah. had. Right. You know, and you you and I say to myself, I think I'm like, damn, like if my children grew up and they had to endure some of the stuff that's going on now down in the city or whatever, man. like, yo, that'd be mad sleepless nights. Yeah. Like, everywhere you go, a, an 11-month-old baby got shot the other day in the Bronx. <laughs> like, that's that's serious. That's serious, man. Stop for one second and really take that in. Seven months. Of, yeah. Yo. Months, man. They, they, they got that going on. They have... um. People that just shows you the irresponsibility. Trains. That shows you the irresponsibility of today's climate when that can happen. Where and even whether it was an accident, right. whether it was on purpose, or someone going crazy, that an eleven-month-old would be fatally killed by a a, a, a pistol. Like I that's think, crazy. I think, I think the baby's in critical condition. You know what broke my heart? Another story that I was following. Did you see crazy. the young brother? from Brooklyn, I think he was like 14 or 15 years old, good basketball player, and they, they said that over, I think, like the summer, from the summer to now, that he was responsible for four murders, and they got like got him on like video and all this, and they picked him up. This dude was like 14 years old or something like that, like, yo, we, like, to me, it's, it's mind-blowing, like, damn, yeah. what you got going on? That's but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna be honest for a second. Things like that were happening, 
But because the way the news was covered and carried, you didn't hear a lot about those things. There were a lot of young knuckleheads growing up in the 70s and the 80s That's going cool. on. But it, but, it, but it wasn't as pervasive as it is not now. That, yeah, now you got so many copycats. Right. And that's why I talk about the influence of the music. Like, like Trig said, the influence of the movies. All these things people want to carry out because they're curious. Right. Like, and then what we had that alienated the curiosity was playing baseball, was the community center, was shit, yeah. going to the library, you maybe having a summer job. Uh -huh. um, there, was, there was just so many different things that allowed you to be like, should I? Yeah. Nah, fuck that. I'm going that way. You know what I mean? You have you now. I'm being honest, yeah, man, because right. I remember a lot of times I thought about doing some shit, and I had, like I said, I had an OG pull me like, "Nah, nigga, go to the park." Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You don't belong there. You ain't even built for that. And you know what? Even the ones that, even in the crack era, the ones that did get on drugs, the OGs that was still around the way, it still played a part with the young generation if they yes, sir. to the yeah. OGs or they looked at them because they was getting high. They took the respect away, and they, you know, and they. That's right. Listen, my community growing up in Brooklyn and Brownsville, Saratoga area, we had a lot, a lot of my friends' parents and and stuff fell victim. Um, yo, Christ, you on the go, huh, son? You on the go, God? That shit, that shit had that shit was giving me a hard time to come back in. Yeah, I was just sitting watching the whole fucking time, like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah, like, y'all got, y'all, you niggas got a two for one. <laughs> for real, yo, son. Yo, Trig, finish, finish what you were saying, though. Yeah, yeah. Y'all pull, pull a wrestling move. Christ said, yo, I'm going to tag Trigger and tag him in, son, on some wrestling shit. So with me and Christ were bad and all that, we was given respect regardless of how, if they was on drugs, you know, somebody's parent might be, you know, strung out anything. We will more talk to them to up, uplift them and be like, "Yo, you know, we don't right. this. You know, we hang with your son or we hang with your daughter or right. that. You know, we play. We was in the game heavy when we was young. You know, thirteen, fourteen. That's right. You know, we had a lot of money. We didn't care about money. We didn't know what money really was about. You know what I'm saying? We didn't even know what to use it for. We just had it. You know, we was just doing things we needed to do for our community and our team. But we always been them young dudes that always wanted to see everybody on the right path. Our homeboys, our you know their mothers, their you know their fathers, whatever. And a lot of our friends' parents, when they was in them drug eras, they hung around on the abs and stuff. And we were seeing more regular basics, but we knew how to still respect them, right? You know? That's right. And, and still give them that respect, that ma'am, that sir, how you doing? We always made. Right. They wasn't lesser than who they was because they was in a situation or they was, you know, because once you get onto that drug, that crack, it, it's no more control. You have no more control over that. Yeah. And we stood that at a young age. So we knew it was a sickness more than anything. Yeah. Morals definitely went out the window. Morals and integrity. When we left in our community, you know, we would have the adults and the elders that would call us and be like, yo, y'all need to move back around here. Because regardless of what, with music or music, we kept structure. You know, we kept a certain structure between our friends and our homeboys. Like, when we was on Saratoga, we would have, community, you know, homeboys coming from every direction to come to our building and hang out because we was doing positive shit also. Right. You know, 
just out in the streets wilding out. We had a lot of positive things going on around us, and a lot of guys that wanted to attach to that, they came around and they hung around. You know, we, me and Christ started dance groups back in the days when Smooth was doing his rap stuff. And then, we, you know, we got in with Smooth and pulled the team more stronger and built up everybody. You know, all our team between all our homeboys is doing something good. We, we All our homeboys that's with us is friends that grew up from loving that and one and two, meaning that's before kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. You mentioned that I was just reading Raekwon's book, and he said the same thing, man. Like you grew up, you grew up being a dancer before you got into hip hop. Like you went to parties to dance. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and dancing was a part of it. Like you had your hip hop, and by the end of by the end of the party, it was the slow jams, and you found your shorty, and that was it. You find a corner, you you doing your thing. That's right. You missed that part, son. <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna tell you if y'all get a chance, pick up that. I read that book. That's a phenomenal book. Yeah, I'm reading it now, man. It's dope. That's a shout out to Ray. Phenomenal yeah. book. Like Ray really captured the essence of growing up in in, in Staten Island, and to the relationship amongst all the Boom members, to his his street exploits, to his family. Like they, whoever helped him write that did a hell of a job. Right. And you know what? To be honest, I had a. So many guys in the game that's like at the top of their game right now that was dancers. They were straight dancers. <laughs> straight dancers, yo. <laughs> so mostly all of them. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, we was number one in, in dancing around the world. We was doing. You know? That's a fact. That's a fact. I was a big dancer too, so I love going to parties. Actually, I played ball, right? But I never went to practice. Because if I went to a, if I went to a party the night before, yo, when you dance for like four hours, fuck practice. That's calisthenics right there, son. You dancing, doing the running man for four hours. Fuck out of here. People ain't know when you was a dancer, that man used to come home with water in your knees, bro. times is though technology because yes. the, yeah. the technology you know like i remember when video games first came into play my uh, parents used to be like ah right, you can't be on the video game all day you got to go out and play or whatever it was but then now the video games the kids you don't even got to sit next to a person yep. you play with somebody oh, you know the funniest thing? let me tell you something a real funny situation christ might remember this shit miss fool had me when sega was out right yeah the genesis <laughs> And Nita Smoothie had this game called Defender. And we oh, Defender. Oh my God. We used to play that shit until the damn game was hot as hell, right? <laughs> so my moms and my pops used to always tell us, y'all cut that game off. Y'all got school tomorrow. Y'all cut it off, right? So me and Smooth would come from school and the fucking game would still be hot. <laughs> come to find out years later, my moms and my pops used to make us get off the <laughs> So they can play. Right? <laughs> Yo, crazy as shit, man. <laughs> they would just get off the game like 240. 245. So they be in there all chilling, my pops watching TV, my mom's cooking. 
like, hey, how was y'all day? It was good. The first thing they would say to us, don't y'all drink fast on that game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you turn you you turn on a high score, the joint say mom the hustler and pops the gambler. <laughs> <laughs> All day. So I get tricked on my game shit with my mom. They was game fanatic just like us. So that's yeah. why I understand it. And I, trust me, I got every system. I bought my kids the system. But you know what I did learn about those games? Some some kids right now, when they play the video games, they get a lot. They get strategic, man. And, and, and kids are very intelligent in playing those video games because it, it takes well. think and understand what you're doing anyway. What made right. Going through what you have to do to get to the next stage, and when you see these kids doing that, it shows that their brain is developing so fast, man. Computation, how they how they compute, and how they put things together, that, that makes perfect sense. That's so. Uh, it's like it's amazing watching it. Sometimes you know we can say it's the gift. Yo, the only the only issue I have with it is when when people become addicted to it and they can't you know they can't turn it off. That yeah. becomes an issue. But if you ask me, if I rather my my son be on his Xbox instead of being in the street, that's a no brainer. Right. Right. The way the way shit's going on today, we can't. There ain't no need to even check. The only thing you should do with it, though, for the parents that kids love to play, they'll do some activities. But mm-hmm. They'll love to do some things with their hands because when we were young, we was we was learning how to fix our own bikes and how to make things into go-karts yep. and, and, and and three and three wheel riding bikes and all type of stuff we used to make everything yeah. and that's the only thing, let me tell you the funny thing that's the only thing i say about a lot of rich kids and poor kids okay rich kids can turn right around and buy it again when they break mm-hmm. it something happened poor kids we used to have to deal with it the way we had it or we fixed it yeah, figured it out of learning how to do things activity hands on you know, it's very important to learn that because nowadays some kids don't even know how to change a tire. Mm-hmm. To- yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Being poor is a being poor is a, that ingenuity, like like dude just said. But being poor breeds creativity. You know, like yeah. we used to draw, you draw the box on the wall and play baseball or stickball, or right. whatever it is, and you know, and like you know what else came and play with that? You was able to do it on your block. Mm-hmm. And in front of the building and where you lived at. So it was still a comfortability there. You know? So I think people are comfortable because they play games, they home, they're in their home, they're comfortable, and they can interact now over the over the speaker with people, they can talk to one another. And I think that's kind of more now, more easier. You know, you, we don't forget a lot of people hey, you know, that's why a lot of things that happen. People speak now. They got these on the game. They they they're friendly. They talking. They open right. people that they don't they never met before. You know they they building relationships and friendships with people that they would have never seen before. Anything so it, it can be for a plus. It could be a plus for. But then it, like I said, it, it saved a lot of lives, man. I know a lot of homeboys that kept out of the streets. Mm-hmm. Straight up, man. Straight up. That I know for a fact would have probably been in the mix. Yeah. You know, had it not. Yeah, I have a question for Madden. <laughs> Madden kept my ass out of trouble. I'll tell you that. I have a, I have a question. I have a question for both of y'all. Right. Outside of music, who are some of your biggest inspirations? 
DV, I'll let you go first. Um, my biggest inspirations, um, my mom's, my Shout dad. Out to Nice. You know, my dad and uh my our dance teacher, Miss Baker, God bless her soul. Yes indeed. Um who else? Uh shit. Mr. Gustus, remember Mr. Gustus? Oh yeah, all day. You know what I'm saying? Like we had so many, man. Like, you nice. know what I'm saying? Like his it trick trig trigger trig smooth mother. They yeah. was like you know, she was like my mom's, my aunt Val. My grandfather, Nana, God bless the dead. You know what I'm saying? My grandmother. You know, like it's it's a lot about our family. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm gonna say that. Yeah. Very family oriented. Like me and Christ been together since like junior high school. You know what I'm saying? Me and Christ been together like in the period junior high, but we lived around the same area all our life. Right, you know, but we really tied in and got connected from us being in school together, and plus we had our art. Right, right. He loved. Hey yo, hey yo, Christ. Was was your pops? Was your pops an MC or a rapper? Yeah, my dad. My my dad used to rap and shit. He played a bass. Yeah, but he, he used to rap like because when I had told him that I was gonna get into rap. He pulled out his books and shit and started kicking raps to me. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and this shit was hot too. And I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. so like that that started like me and my dad's relationship low key, cause I would come in and I would kick raps to him and he'd go crazy. Like, yo, that shit. You know what I mean? He's still <laughs> like that to this day. Like, I, could call, I could call my dad right now and be like, yo, dad, check this shit I just wrote. And he'd be on the phone blacking, like, oh, <laughs> say that shit again, say that shit again. You know what I'm mean? saying? So, yeah, nah, my dad, yeah, that's, that's, you know. Now that's inspiration right there, my nigga. That's inspiration right there, <laughs> for real. Yeah. Definitely, and we all like, like Christ said, we always had good people around us, you know. Right. Like growing up, even when, like I can remember when I wasn't writing raps, and um, and people around me used to all because I knew everybody's song, I knew every old school song from everybody, from Kane, from Rakim, even my boy Granddaddy IU, like the homie, you know, like I knew everybody rap. So or the older. OG guys used to see me when I used to come from school, from public school, and they used to keep me in front of the building and go, yo, kick, kick this rap, or, or kick rock your rap. And I would stand there and be kicking their raps and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Nice. And then we had, and then it's crazy, I, my, one of my biggest inspirations, man, and rest in peace, it was this lady named Miss Peaches. She was like a um, like a grandma to all of us. We had, we used to, Christ used to bang on her wall in the hallway. She lived on the first floor in our building. And me, Christ, and Smooth used to sit in the hallway. And because it had an echo in that part of the hallway, we used right. to sit in there. Christ would bang and do the beats. And me and Smooth would rap. And Christ would rap and sing. And everybody that would walk through the hallway would go, yo, now y'all know y'all being rude. This elder lady live right here. Y'all hanging on his wall. And Miss Peaches used to open her door and be like, mind your goddamn business. Let them boys alone. <laughs> Let them do what they doing. Leave them alone. And, That's and, what's and up. She was in her, like, probably 60s, 70s. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And when I say that, she allowed us to bang on that wall all the way up till we got a record deal. 
Damn. Word to mother. Remember, God, oh, wow. Yeah, that, that touched me right there, son. That touched me. It touched me anytime I talk about it, but. That touched me right there. When I say she used to open, it could be freezing cold, snow, it could be 100 degrees hot. She would open that door up and listen to us rap and, and Christ do them beats on that wall. She would always, right. we would finish, and we would start off in the morning, finish 11, 12 at night. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> she would still open like, y'all finish? Y'all can go ahead and Yo, did y'all recruit, um, did y'all uh, record My Crew Can't Go For That for the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack, or was this originally no. recorded for your album? No, for the Nut, Nutty Professor Nut, soundtrack. Nutty Professor, Nutty Professor soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, Christ, man, that's my genius right there. Like, at the end of the day, you know, we can hear anything and kind of get a vibe of the vision of it, but... That was one of my singles, and and you know, man, Christ, Christ was one of my partners. Always was with me in the studio, always around in the studio. You know, making sure my work get done. You know, cause I was a, a dude. I I was running the streets a lot, but still getting my work done. But you know, you got my boy on the side of me, like, yo, get in the studio, get it done. You know? That's right. That's right. Sometimes you need that, man. He all hit us with that record. And at first, when I heard it, I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't think we're going to do that. Because we had some other big records to do, you know, for it. But right. Christ instantly just said, nah, we doing such and such. Da, da, da. No. He just went into my crew, can't go for that. No. He just did his thing with it right on the spot. And like, we didn't even have chance. I didn't even have chance to even vibe with the record. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think back to when I was 17, if I really appreciated Hall & Oaks, though. Right. <laughs> I did not. Yo, son, Hot Tracks. Yo, there was so much. Hot Tracks. Right. Okay, at that time in the 80s, there was so much, a mixture of music, and yeah. a lot of artists were European. They were Caucasian. I'm like, wow, son. That's right. Crazy. Hey, yo, my mom's had me listening to Pat Benatar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, who was a Blondie, Pat Benatar? Uh -huh. uh, it was a couple of others, man. My mom's Don't like, nah. Cry. I thought I learned about Cindy Lauper. Hey, Come on, man. To all of them. Yeah, but I think when I, yo, when you're 17 in high school, when I was 17 uh -huh. in high school, it was Black Moon, y'all, um, Big Daddy Kane still was kind of around. It was yeah. that's what it was. I wasn't, and but I knew the song. But when y'all when y'all flipped it, I'm like, damn, yo, they really flipped Hall and Oaks, like. You know, and for years, a lot of people didn't realize that Hall and Oates wasn't black. Right. <laughs> Yo, they, they, a lot of people didn't realize that because it's so, so Yeah, cool. they, you're right. Y'all right. was like, he had a vision before, you know, when we walked in the studio, D.R. had already knew that we were going to be a sound, part of the soundtrack. And then mm -hmm. when he asked us if we wanted to be a part of it and we all agreed to it, he said, all right, listen to this. So D was like 10 steps ahead of all of us. And then when he played the joint, Christ was like 10 steps ahead. He was just like, yo, I got the hook. And just went <laughs> and did the hook. And from that point, I don't even think me and school, it took us not even longer than 20, 30 minutes to just write the verses because it was just so, it was just, you know how things feel so good at that moment. Right. In that moment, you just like, yo, put it up. Christ did the hook and listen to the beat. I'm like, all right, I'm going first. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. And yeah. then then Christ went, then Smooth went. But that was just the feel and the vibe of it being in the studio at that time. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm 
wow, we're going we gonna to really do this, you know? So it came, it's really happening. Yeah, it came out good, and we enjoyed shooting the video for yeah. it, you know? DR Period got some, some, some bangers under his belt, though. Did, didn't DR Period do How About Some Hardcore? Yeah, DR, let me be honest with you. DR, if you really go into DR Period's track record, DR probably touched every artist in the industry. Yeah, he got a yeah. murder for Nas and AZ too, right? Yeah, I remember. I'm gonna tell you this. I remember being at Next Level when we were starting up Next Level, and Smooth and them were being there recording and getting their stuff done. I remember from the Run DMCs to the Puff Daddies to, um, I mean, from the Buster, the Biggies, everybody would stop down there and come see DR. Mm. You know what I'm saying? DR would give direction. I used to be in another room sitting there. I'll, I'll be right in the studio listening. He would give so much direction to everybody on what type of songs to make, to make people, to make people remember them or love them. Right. If you, if you notice, they always gave dudes their first underground hit. That's a fact. Yeah. To create who they are. Then they go out there and become big. And become Right, right, right. The one with the vision, and then he give every artist he worked with the vision. He give it to him first, the direction, the vision, how he might, how he want to produce them, or what direction the song should go, or anything like that. And if you a writer as an artist, then all you need is vision. Yeah, that's what Christ was saying, though. Like Christ yeah. was like, yo, that he's a producer's producer. He's like a, he really yeah. is. He, I'm, I'm, Dior's the first producer I really ever heard can take a beat and make you really think that you're walking through hell. Like, literally, with the sound effects, with the gates and the doors closing, and the, I mean, it's incredible, and people don't know that. Like, DR do a lot of commercials, a lot of video games. His hands is in a lot in the industry. Like I said, if you look at it, you'll be surprised how many scores, how many soundtracks this dude have touched in the industry. More he got a sonic, he got an air sonically that's just unparalleled, man. Y'all touch more soundtracks than any producer I know. And and you got a lot of them out there that's top producers. So this top is producers, yeah. yeah, when you do the homework on him, you'd be surprised on you'll go now. Nah, he didn't do that. Whoa, whoa, wait, he did that. Child, we, child, we might need to reach out to DR, son. Yeah. We need to get him in on here, son. Half of the commercials we hear on TV, DR do the beats for him. See, this is what I'm talking about. It's probably that television world is his world, and a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves. Yeah. A lot of people probably don't even know. That's probably why. Two. Yo. Yeah. is a download dude when it comes to production and stuff, but he's very, he's a genius, man. I watched him create artists, groups after group after artists after group. Basically, all of us come from that, 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 that whole circle of him when mm -hmm. it comes to him creating and helping bringing out an artist for who they are. Yeah. These to the MOPs to, I mean, you name them. You from the Papoose, you name them. Yeah. Y'all hands should be, he should get an award for basically half of these artists in the industry. Yeah. These record labels wouldn't be eating off of them if they didn't go through his school of hard knocks. And that's just being real. Yo, rumor has it, rumor has it though, that you and Smooth Pen was responsible for a lot of, a, 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 a lot of records that was coming out back then too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of ghost riding. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of artists, what it was, you know, when you when you had a record label, a lot of people never knew. Even 
a lot of people that's themselves, the artists themselves didn't even know mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, because when you're doing a deal with a record label for publishing or you're doing a publishing deal, you don't, you kind of don't want to put it out there that you're writing for certain artists because you don't want to mess their career. You know how deep that can get. People go, oh, they, they ain't writing for themselves. They yeah. believe who they are now. Now it kind of mess up the money trail for the, the record label that's trying to push this artist out there. Most the right, right, right. You know, as being an entertainer. So it kind of messes it up. So me and Smooth never really, we never really spoke on it. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like when you do a contract, you make your money, you shut up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't. That's it. That's it. I'm not in the industry to put it out there to make no one feel less of their craft because they can be good, dope writers, but just can't make good records. Mm -hmm. Right. Then you right. battle rappers and things like that that can make real good records, but people don't pay attention to them. So I was one of them battle rappers that can make those good records that I can help other people. If I walk in a studio with somebody, they could be stuck in there. I don't walk to studio sessions where guys is literally getting paid on the spot. And and I walk in, I'm like, what's wrong? They're like, yo, I'm blank. Yes, I'm like, blank on what? Like, I can't got nothing. nothing. I'm like, let me hit a beat. Hit a beat, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like, I got the whole song for you. Come in, come in the back. Let me just give you the lyrics. Wow. It's just that simple. You know, when to me, when Miss Smooth and Christ been writing for so long that when people hear the Jay-Z walk in the studio and he just knocked out his song, I mean, we literally do that, mm -hmm. you know? So, and a lot of producers that work with us can tell you that offhand, this is what we do, you know what I'm saying? But, right, right, it's repetition. Y'all got repetition yeah, and yeah, putting them out there like that. It comes natural. Yeah, come up with a subject on the spot, do the hook on the spot, knock the verse. Right, 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 yeah. knock it out. And, like, if Miss Smooth, we was on Tommy Boy, we knocked out the album for Tommy Boy in nine days. Damn. Nine days we did the album for Tommy Boy with all clearance, all producers, all top producers on the album, everything. And um, that time, that's when Norby and Capone was on there and everybody mm -hmm. was, you know, the label was getting ordered. There was a whole bunch of shit going on up there. And like I said, me and Smooth are tight. When we see the bullshit, we pull right out. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm that's saying? That's right. We don't let the shit lag or lean and nothing. We pull right out. We know we got our money already, so we gone. Like, you could call it how you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? But we know when to pull out the end. It's just what it is. It's, just, yeah. it's the street game turned over into a corporate world. Yeah. They had, um, who was that? Um, Silverman, right? But wasn't Martin Moore? Yeah. The dude that do Martin Moore was like the AR or something. A&R, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, that was up there. But see, it wasn't none of their fault. It was just things going on with the record label that they didn't want to tell the artists. Mm. And that's it. And artists was either smart to either release it. Yo, your project at that time will pull back. Mm. You know, to me, it's never it's never about, you know, I know we all grind in this game for the money. To me, the money is to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. Period. I'm right. Good. That's just what it is. I've always been good all my life. Um, and anybody know that, I don't ask nobody for shit. Everybody that know me. So they know I've been good forever. You know what I'm saying? But I just, I just feel like the, the industry, the industry right now is going the right way for the young artists. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? When it comes to their revenue. Right. Just got to learn what to do with it. Right. Flashing it online ain't going to get nowhere. 
putting it in the bank is only giving the bank the money to to use your money to you flip it. <laughs> right. You understand? Artists have to be smarter and understand what to do with their money. And it help their money can help grow for the next person if they want to help someone else come up. You know? Right. It's just right. where they put it at and where they place it at. If you got a lot of money to spend on jewelry and throw around that, you lose the value of all that the minute you put diamonds in it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these, a lot of this jewelry watches and all that, regular watches just with diamonds put in it, and then you lost the value anyway. Mm -hmm. so I was I spend money on diamonds when you lose the value, it decreases unless you get something like a Rolex and you mm -hmm. never put no diamonds in it and things like that, or you know, yeah. Yeah. the value stays the same. Yeah. But that money and put it into something else. All these young guys that's out there that's getting that type of money, go open up a community center. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Just right. go get a license. All you need is a building. That's it. They got foreclosure buildings. They got buildings out there that people are selling. You know, buildings on the market right now you can go get from the from the city for hardly nothing. Yeah. Yo, what that yo shot? What that sister tell us? There's over five million acres in New York City of lot land not bought. Yeah, lot but that's five, not you know five what? million the acres. Community, the community right. center you can't really flex with. Trig, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna let you go, but before I let you go, I want to ask you one last question. I'm gonna take it from the audience. My so, dude. Havoc Kills Zero Zero said, Trigger, when you gonna release the fifty fifty life is a gamble digitally? All right. For, for all of y'all out there, let me tell you something. This is one of the biggest conversations I just had at the end of the year with my whole team. So this year, just look out for it because they will be releasing it digitally. Okay. All right? So close to the summer. So just know that. And we got a whole lot of other stuff in store for y'all. Some surprises and everything. Because um, Smith Brothers, you know, we've been knocking our album after album. So me and Smooth. Nice. Time to start releasing these and getting them out there. Put that shit out. Yeah, put that shit out, bro. For real, man. We I'm need that. This we need that voice. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, Smooth, there's Hustlers albums. I, I knocked out the Gambler albums. We got so much material. We just sometimes, you know, we our worst critics, man. It's, it's kind of hard. You sit back, we'll listen to our music. We'll have a whole studio of people. They'll be in there going crazy from from A&R's owners, and then me and Smooth is sitting there like, yo, all right, we got to do seven more joints. Like, you know, <laughs> he ain't double satisfied. And it's crazy. <laughs> I could be satisfied for something, but my brother, he's a genius at what he do. And I don't knock him for taking his time the way he want to. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you know, I mean, he always been on my back like, yo, just don't release anything. Just don't. You know, Smooth is a wordplay dude. You know, he, he grew up with the him and the big L's and the you know yeah. the Biggie the the J's and all that like right, you know, right and then the boot camps you know what I'm saying all those are dudes you know what I'm saying like yeah. straight up, Coco Brothers Rock and Rocks you know those are dudes so Smooth grew up in that whole era of being you know a real writer when it comes to his 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 lyrics and um so it's with me and him you know sometimes I'm like yo nigga it's ready let's go and Smooth like nah because um. <laughs> Somebody said this in a record. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> After what we just said with this. And I'll be like, this nigga is... 
He's a, a rap almanac, son. He's a rap almanac, yo. <laughs> I'm going to say this shit and let it come out. Then somebody going to say, yo, you know such and such says something coincide. Are y'all talking about each other? And I let niggas just figure it out. But <laughs> he catch that shit. And he's the type of like, nah, I ain't, we ain't playing that because niggas might take it the wrong way. And yeah. I understand him and I respect him as my brother for what he do when it comes to that. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I would have been got us in some shit, to be honest with you. <laughs> my wait, my ace, my that's, brother. Yeah, that's the way my songs are. I'm straight point. I'm straight to the point. I'm forward. If I got something to say about rappers, I say their name. I just say it. I, I'm straight <laughs> to it. And that's how it is. And my brother here genius because he, he know how to sugarcoat anything when it comes to the pen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he teach me that side of it. I'm learning more on that side now. Like, oh, okay, smooth. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Hence the phrase smooth. That's what it is. <laughs> well, yo, we wanna we wanna thank Trigger the Gambler as well as DV Alias yeah. Christ. I know he he had the he had the pop out. He had told me earlier he had an appointment he had to go to. Right, but yo, you, yeah. appreciate you definitely, bro, for 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 popping in, for tagging in and, and dropping these jewels on us, man. You know, I saw y'all in. I saw my genius on there, DV. You know, that's my little bro. Love him to death. You know what I'm saying? And he was speaking on some things. And I was just like, you know what? Let me just tag in and see what's going on. Yes, sir. Most Glad you did. You know, to help out the conversation with him. And it's all love to everybody that tuned in, to everybody that, you know, tagged on. And for the ones that's going to pick it up and watch it, it's nothing but love and respect coming from spirit in Christ. You know what I'm saying? And our SMG family. Appreciate yeah. you. Thank you, everybody. Peace and love, bro. Into no Ideas Original Podcast. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out, everybody. Yeah. Peace. Peace.